Alright, what up, what up, episode 36 of the Stiff Shots podcast, and we're entering the chamber of the mind and the heart and the spirit. My name is Ryan Rainbow. with me as always is Rick Jimenez. Rick, did you ever see the 36th Chamber of Shaolin Kung Fu motion picture movie? The first band I was ever in was called the Shogun Decapitators, so yes. What about Stuff. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad starring Matthew Lawrence of the Lawrence Brothers thing? Show rocks. Power Rangers and then Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, which was supposed to be like the bootleg Power Rangers. Not just as good, but sometimes just as good. Yeah, <laughs> we, we did we did talk about this on the show once, which is kind of pathetic, but also rocks. Yeah, I mean, what else am I going to talk about? Ronin Warriors? Uh, I went and saw the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey Emancipation Proclamation over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And uh, have you seen it? No. Do you plan on seeing it? You you just said no like I said no when you asked me if I was going to see Star Wars. So I feel like you're not interested. Uh, I feel like I, um, I feel like I have a small obligation to see it just because it has something to do with comic books. But I don't I don't actually want to. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll watch it. I don't know if I'll go and spend $75 to watch it with a bunch of other, you know, people. I, I, I don't normally pay to go into Hot Topic. This movie, I'm not going to tell you whether I liked it or not, but I will tell you a couple things. One, everybody in it, and this is true, has a BlackBerry smartphone. <laughs> everybody. They all have the same phone that I do. There is a Kesha song that plays at the end of it. Uh, Black Canary is a black person. Black Adam is a black person, but Black Mask, white guy. White guy pretending to be Jim Carrey, pretending to be the Joker who is actually Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> oh, I, I love Star Wars. All right, so today on the show, we're going to be talking about new Japanese professional wrestling's new beginning in Osaka. But before and or after that, we have a special guest on the show, Mr. Quotation outlandish and quotation Zicky Dice of the National Wrestling Alliance is going to be talking to us about whatever we talk to him about. He's definitely going to be playing our new segment Steiner Math that we debuted last week with William Quintana, and he's definitely going to beat his score. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming on principle alone that you're going to give him a higher score than you gave old Bill. Do you think William ever went by Bill? We should have asked him that. That should have been one of his questions. No, I think definitely not because then he would have been Bill now. Being that he's a, a metalcore pop punk guy, if he's not calling himself like Willie McGee, Willie McGee, the baseball player, <laughs> <laughs> William is is a bit more metalcore. I'm full of it today, man. I had a bad day. So after I'm like, hey, you know what? Almost everything in the world that can go wrong has gone wrong today. And uh, not to go in the weeds at all, but the best thing in the world to do after spending like Two or three or seven thousand dollars on something is to like get three months use out of it and wind up with two hundred eighty-five dollars. It's the worst. I do everything in the world that stinks today, and nothing works out right. I have band practice later. We're getting ready to record a record. We all think it's like is the the coolest thing in the entire world, just like every other band that stinks in the world. They have a new record. They're like, oh, it's like everything about our band, but more. Essentially, like, oh, it's the same thing, only worse. So I'm super excited about the record. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to practice later. I'm going to have a good time, which is crazy. I never have a good time at practice because I have to hang out with the people in my band. I have a little bit of time in between, like really little bit of time, like uh, 30 minutes, 35 minutes. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a 30, 35 minute workout in. 
And my intention was just to go in there and just, just kick this workout's ass. I'm doing good. I'm, you know, I had energizing power drink. I'm just, I'm, I'm flying. So towards the end, I was like, you know what, to make myself feel either really good for a change or for at least like a minute or so, or worse, my last lift I'm, I'm ending with shrugs. I'm like, I'm going to beat my max with shrugs. So you know what? I'm about to shrug 380 pounds. And I'm either going to do it and feel like the king for a minute or two, or I'm going to break my back and get a hernia and I won't have to go to work and, and who gives a crap. So I do it uh, two times. I just did one rep because it's way too much weight for me anyway. I didn't even say it out loud. I can't lift this too much weight. I do it, whatever. I don't hurt myself. Everything's good. Have a good practice. Come home. Oh, guess what? I hurt myself. Aww. And with that, we go to Zicky Dice. Oh my God! All right, straight from sunny California, we got my friend, former tour mate, current co-worker, and the uncrowned, as far as everyone else is concerned, TV champion of the National Wrestling Alliance, Mr. Zicky Dice. How you doing, my man? Baby, baby, I am feeling outlandish. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Let me start off by thanking you. What a pleasure. Oh, man. Thank you for having, uh, for, for being had because I uh, have noticed that I don't know if they're just being released rapid fire, but you've got like 20 podcasts you did in the last 30 days. You're on the circuit, my man. You're doing a media tour, a frenzy, if you will. Doing that uh, community service, you know, doing it for the kids. Doing it for the little guy, that's definitely true. And I know that actually this episode, whether you realize it or not, is going to be released on the day that the new Heart to Heart, Heartbreaker, Heart Day album will be coming out, Valentine's Day. Would you look at that? That means as soon as we wrap up with this podcast, you got to head on over to anywhere you listen to music and listen to that new Heart to Heart record. Heartbreaker is out now, today, right now. Put it on your Zoom as fast as you can, please. Yes, your MP3 players. I think Zicky Dice Zunes would move units, if we're being honest. Dude, I think you're right. My, I know I could sell one to my brother. He's the only dude I know that had a Zune. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a band with this guy who uh, definitely wasn't fit to work a, a fry maker at McDonald's who had a Zune. And he uh, was really psyched that I remember he bought a Too Pure to Die album off of iTunes. And he was like, look, bro, it's got the album art on it. I was like, uh, sure does. Yeah, well, yeah, that was pretty sick. I had a little square one. I don't remember the brand. This MP3 player, and I used to put all my Napster, Napster steals on there. The theme of the show is that uh, me and Rick are into wrestling or t- tangentially. Is that a word? Tangela? Angela Krause? Uh, associated with wrestling, but we're also jaded old musicians. And you are a combination of those Perfect. two things as well. Perfect. Yes. I'm ready to air some grievances. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Oh, that's oh. that's right up my alley. You want to talk about crabby musician? Okay, <laughs> here we go. I just got a FaceTime call right before this podcast from uh, two of my best friends. One dude plays bass and Heart to Heart, and we had to postpone our show on Friday. We were supposed to have a record release show. Our fill-in drummer is a jackass, so he went. He took it amongst himself to go behind our backs and find someone to fill in. Like it's like a, a shift. I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> I don't know. My mind's blown. So we postponed the show. That's the real reason why until we uh, get it all lined up. But they they FaceTime me. We're across the street from the venue. They're like, aren't you so aren't you bummed that we're not playing here Friday? I was all, no, not really. I was like laying on the couch and I was, it felt so good to be honest because I said, you know what? And then my homie's like, how stoked are you for the Heart to Heart record to come out Friday? I said, well, if I was 19, really stoked. But this Friday, I'm pretty stoked. 
<laughs> well, first off, the story about the drummer, I don't think is unbelievable at all. Because, and you could have even left out the fill-in drummer part because every drummer can't read, has no uh, care about anybody else's feelings. And oh. to be to be perfectly oh. honest, what you said about, oh, well, he said he can't make it, but he got a fill-in like it was a shift at McDonald's or something, that should be an absurd thing. Unfortunately, I've heard that happen three times over the past year with, in fact, my stupid drummer. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, dude, you must be so lucky. You must be so cool to be in a band. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, labor yeah, of I, love. I got to think that that's the best part about wrestling, aside from music. You know, the, the transition between one to the other is that wrestling, you just got to worry about you. I mean, you're working with that's, other people. You know, I'm gonna be, I'll be honest with you. I'll say right here, right here, right now. That's why I took... Um, the, the step away from the band when I did to become a pro wrestler because uh, we were having, I was having to fill in members on tour and we were going on these big tours and I was like sending out the emails, ordering the merch, dealing with the label, dealing with the manager. And um, I felt that, I felt that, oh man, I'll say it out loud. Heart to Heart could have been a lot bigger and a lot more successful if everyone would have pulled their weight a little bit. And, um, and that's what's motivated me to take Zicky as far as Zicky is. And because uh, I know my drive and my hustle, and that's the energy that I put towards. If if you, it's, it's hard when you get, especially as we get older, getting five people to to want the the same dream, share the same dream, and put in the same hard work behind the curtains. You know, yeah, everyone wants to be on stage, everyone wants the interviews, everyone wants the cool shit, but no one wants to put in the work behind. You know, too true, man. I I couldn't feel that more. And you know what? Being a, you know, I guess a bit of a, not control freak, but definitely in a band way, the, the leader or the engine or, you know, pulling yeah, weight alive you. or dead. I, I understand wanting to do something where it, it's on your shoulders. Like you said, you're, you're a wrestler and you take care of your stuff and you only have to worry about somebody pulling their weight in a match or, or whatever, but you don't, have to, you're not pulling five other guys. I don't want to sound too grumpy like an old ass, but we I had a lot of fun with the band. I, mean, I am stoked for this record to come out. You know, as, as cliche and corny as it is, and you say this every record, but I feel it is our, our best um, our best piece of art yet. Um, we, we did sign for a full length as well, so we'll be going to the studio and doing that. <clears throat> but as of touring right now, um, you know, I, Ziggy Dice comes first. So well, Let's talk about Ziggy Dice a little bit then, because uh, Rick and I were talking about how you know, of course, you're on Powerer, which is this throwback show, but almost everything about Ziggy Dice, other than maybe having stomach tattoos, is very 80s rooted. You know, it's a very uh, classic old school. So what kind of wrestling did you like growing up? What got you into wrestling? It's late 80s, early 90s wrestling. That's what uh, I fell in love with, and that's what I watched, and that's what I still watch. Um, I mean, my earliest memories are like Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, you know, Big Boss Man, uh, Rick Martel, the list goes on. You know, that's that's the era I grew up watching. You know, now going back and catching up on older NWA stuff and all the old shit. That's that's what I like watching now. You know, it's really interesting because I was going to ask what was your, uh, I guess, Homer territory, you know, whether you led, uh, leaned more NWA or WWF. And I would have thought, from what I see of you on Power, that maybe you had grown up a 
Jim Crockett Promotions or Georgia Championship Wrestling or you know Mid Mid Atlantic, um, leaning more that than WWF. So yeah, th- that's that's super interesting to me. You know, especially I, th- I think like you said, what you grew up watching, what you're watching now, and where you are now, it's it's refreshing because it's I don't believe it's just a complete throwback that it's a rehash by any means. I think you have a very very interesting twist on the NWA heel with that modern modern tinge which makes it interesting and new. Why, thank you. Thank you. I try I strive to stand out and be different from everybody else and uh right now just recycle some of the classics. So when did you start your your wrestling journey per se? 5 years ago almost to the day. Uh we were on tour with Four Year Strong and um I was acting like a heel on stage. And we were in Nashville, and we were getting booed, but like people were singing along. <laughs> and uh, uh, John James Ryan Jr., the tour manager for them, was like, "I got to talk to you after the show." He's like, "He's like, I think you need to become a professional wrestler." He's like, uh, "You know, you're agile, you're athletic, you got this charisma. I think you'd be successful in the business." So um, <clears throat> I made the decision. We went got back from tour. I packed up and moved to uh, Moline, Illinois. Went to the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. Um, started there May 1st and then had my first match in August. So August will be five years that I've been, uh, professional wrestling. Now, of course, shout out to John James Ryan. Keep flying on tour now with Real Big Fish. And so I'm going to tell you my favorite Real Big Fish story of when I was in New York City, New York State, not Missouri. And the singer for Real Big Fish, Aaron Barrett, was outside and this guy wanted his autograph and he handed him a silver marker and he was like hey can you sign my shirt and the guy was wearing like a heather gray shirt just a plain shirt he's just like oh guys in a band i want an autograph right so uh aaron barrett singer of real big fish signs said heather gray shirt doesn't show up because it's silver on the gray shirt walks about a uh, hundred feet away turns around yells back to the guy hey i had a black sharpie the whole time <laughs> it's my favorite real big fish moment i'm sure they have some songs i like too but that's my favorite real big fish song is that guy telling them that he could have signed his shirt properly Speaking of goofy guys who like horns and probably accordions, so you're from San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah, San Luis Obispo area. Yep, California. Okay. Weird Al Yankovic, also from yeah. San Luis Obispo. Yes, he um, went to Cal Poly. He did. He did. As And I don't know if he ever went there, but whenever I used to go to Cal Poly football games, my man from the Counting Crows was always. <laughs> really? That's true. That's a true story. I never went to a game and that didn't see that dude's dreadlocks just poking you know, out. I just found out that Nikita Koloff was living in San Luis Obispo. Oh, wow. Well, I live in uh, South Carolina, and I'm always told that Nikita Koloff owns a used car lot about 40 miles north uh, near the drive-in movie theater. And that's a shoot, brother. I'm trying to crack this case. I, I don't live in San Luis Obispo anymore. I'm uh, right outside. I'm in Sunnyvale, California, right outside San Jose now. Um, but... That's what my buddy says. He claims Nikita was living in slow. And if so, I'm kicking myself in the ass because we could have been hanging out. Maybe there's two Nikitas. You know, like there was two Gallagher's. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe there's Black Nikita. Yeah. Like Black Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's Lafemme Nikita, like the USA Network. Oh, dang. Lafemme Nikita was no silk stockings. Oh, but was it burn notice? Oh, come on, Neil. Zicky, your favorite USA Network drama? <laughs> Not this again, guys. Uh, that's going to be uh, 
Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something I got. I did mention that uh, I was a fan of Sunset Riders on a podcast. And today I came home and there was a package at my door. And uh, this dude, Josiah, shout out to Josiah, had sent me a Sunset Riders t-shirt. And then went along and um, went a little further and made a Zicky Dice shirt out of the Sunset Riders logo. So I got oh. two shirts today in the mail. It was pretty sick. I have that no is... idea what Sunset Riders is. What? Dude, Google on the side right now. I swear you'll know when you see it. Google on the side? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a Nintendo game. The big arcade game, though. I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I went to this uh, bowling bar, which sounds like it's two things that are dumb. But inside the bowling bar was a free Unlimited Plays arcade they called Pixel Paradise, and it had... Uh, Sunset Riders, it had X-Men side-scroller, which I was killing for a while. It had uh, some game where you had to like put together a burger, but it was very similar to like the OG Donkey Kong. Oh, Burger was... Time. Burger Time, yeah. <laughs> of course you know what the yeah, crappy, game from yeah. 100 years ago is. Uh, Zicky, I also understand that you are into the lizard people. And uh, yeah. so my thing is, you know, David Icke, of course, popularized the theory. And uh, he's a British guy, and I feel like that's why it doesn't get taken seriously. Your thoughts, dude? We can. I love alien every everything. I I just I'm ready to like see some shit. I'm ready for some more truthful shit to come out. I feel that like we're close to that point, you know. But it's hard to like weed out like good information from shit information. Well, I'm I'm ready to witness the shape shifting. Like I was telling the story the other day. When I was moving back from Illinois and driving to California, it was just me and my pup, Ric Flair, and I was driving through middle of nowhere Colorado, and like Colorado is notorious for seeing, uh, like, ton has tons of U UFO activity, and I was on this long road. And I was like, dude, if I'm gonna see one, it's gonna be tonight. Like, it was a Wednesday night, and like Tuesday and Wednesday nights are high frequent. I look up all these nerdy little numbers. I didn't see anything, but I was like mentally prepared. And then there's like Stardust Ranch. Are you familiar with Stardust Ranch? Oh yeah. Dude, I like kind of was planning a trip to see if we can get me and like a few friends there for a few nights, and I, I backed out of it. You backed out because you were nervous? Oh, I got too scared. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I can understand. Did you ever watch that uh, that web series? Um, it, it came out about a year ago. They go to this uh, this these caverns in Kentucky, and the name of the show is the city in Kentucky. But anyway, they basically have. Uh, like communication with an alien through a tin can and it's like on video and it's it's pretty wild oh it's uh, uh sunset riders yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey you're gonna have to give me the name of this is it on youtube yeah yeah it's a youtube exclusive uh web series and it's called hellier it's called hellier uh it's uh, called hellier it's named after the town in kentucky that they go to but it's actually pretty interesting and they put out a second season of it where they I investigate there's one guy on the show, and he's in the second season more than the first, where uh, like his his mouth flares out a lot when he talks, and uh, like when he it looks just like he's smiling a lot. I guess is a better way to put it. Flares out sounds like he's got like some sort of twitch or something, but it just always looks like he's smiling. So everything he says looks terrifying, but he's like, <laughs> you know, he's the protagonist of the series, and it uh, it really stresses me out that he's always smirking. Uh, yeah, you just gave me like secondhand anxiety thinking about that. 
Yo, you know what's funny about disliking happy people? The first time I ever saw Kid Dynamite, everybody's like, oh, you're going to love this band. They're right up your alley. So I'm like, all right, cool, cool. I'm going to go see Kid Dynamite and some other bands. And I see Kid Dynamite, and they're playing, and it's a fast punk hardcore band, so it is right up my alley. And the bass player would not <laughs> stop smiling. And I was saying to my friend, yo, what is wrong with this guy? They're like, what do you mean? I was like, why won't he stop smiling? They're like, what's, what's the matter with that? I was like, I don't know. I don't want to see this guy smiling. So I hated Kid Dynamite for about three years because the bass player wouldn't stop smiling. Great band. Love him. <laughs> All right. So the drummer of Anti-Flag, you know, he like does that tongue thing the whole time, like the whole set for 30 minutes. That drives me nuts. <laughs> Drummers do love to just stick their tongues out for no. You know what? Yeah, Drummers. Now I'm pissed off again, dude. Dude, drummers are so sad that they're in the back that they'll just do anything and say anything, especially once the show is over for people to pay attention to them. And nobody wants to pay attention to the sweaty drummer. They want to pay attention to the singing guitar player with the giant biceps. <laughs> <laughs> we had this kid come out and like try and uh, he wanted to try out for drums once. And I was all, I was like, hey, what tuning are your drums? And he's all, uh, I don't know. What should they be? And I was all, well, probably a C would be nice. <laughs> It was like all stressed out, and that's when I was like, all right, dude, now, next. <laughs> that's a true story. That's so diabolically mean, and I love it. Yeah. Let's get back to wrestling a little bit. So five years ago, you started this journey. Um, well, how you say this journey, it's like when people uh, talk to each other about their fitness journey. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh so man. You, uh, really decide to, to get on this journey together you know we're, we're we're putting our amethyst crystals in the moonlight and we're just oh uh, well, well hey man this is real life this is an instagram okay i'm sorry so you, All right. you start your fitness journey five years ago to <laughs> yeah, you put a bunch of hashtags up how do you wind up with the the newer version of nwa and the whole power show because nwa has obviously been around for over a hundred years but in this incarnation and the new show, it's, it's a bit of a, well, not even a bit, it's a complete relaunch. And from my point of view, there is tons and tons of high quality talent. So how did you wind up making the connection and becoming a regular on the show? Well, I'm glad that you asked. It happened, uh, what I like to call the classic, what my grandpappy used to say, right place, right time. No, he never said that. I just made that up. But it was right place, right time. Um, I had been working for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood for almost three years, off and on. Um, never once had a promo there. Not live, not on stage, not backstage, nothing. Um, that day, uh, I was actually supposed to be in Florida. The show fell through. And I texted Yuma at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I was like, dude, you still got room for me? He's like, yeah, come on down. Went down, I got there early, and they were like, oh, Zicky's here, let's give him a promo. I was like, all right, cool. I went up and said six words, seven words, and was pulled around the corner um, to meet David Lagana and Billy Corgan, and was offered us, um, Billy was like, how would you like to work for me in the NWA? And I was like, I would love that. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing, um, and or if I would be a regular, or, uh, and here I am. You know, going head-to-head with Ricky Starks for the NWA Television Championship. Um, it's unreal. Uh, it, it all happened out of nowhere. And I think if you watch the very first episode, the first few seconds when I walk, walk out, you, it, it's completely silent. And now 
I walk out and I can lift my eyebrow and I get booed. It's incredible. Now, when did you first start forming the current version of the character of Zicky Dice, the whole outlandish thing and just kind of, you know, the, the, the outfits, the really driving home the pink? Yeah, it's been evolving for, so I added the word outlandish. I'm, I invented the word outlandish two years ago. And then from there, um, just been morphing. And it's, it's always morphing. I, it, you know, it was the bleaching of the hair, the, growing it out, uh, piercing the ear, you know, slitting down and hitting the gym harder. Uh, pink, more pink. And then now it's loud clothes. Now it's like, it just, it's always evolving. You know, I never know what Zicky's going to do next. Me and Zicky are not friends. My fiance said that Zicky Dice is not invited to my bachelor party, nor <laughs> invited to the wedding. So Zicky writes checks that Nick can't cash. And uh, I, I can't speak for him. Well, I noticed recently on the show too, you know, Zicky's getting more and more, um, of course, outlandish, but you know, more, uh, uh, more innuendo and things like that. And I know that, uh, NWA is is still even with the things that you're saying and doing, of course, a a uh, more family centered product and things like that. So, are is that kind of your intention to be the one kind of outlier that's a little bit closer to that edge? <laughs> Outlandish. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm here. To, I'm here to get people talking, right? Let me put it this way: I am the NWA. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that this company grows and that I grow. I'm going to ride that fine line because it's fun. Well, I think definitely having a hand signal is step number one. Anything that people can imitate in a crowd to you is going to immediately make you the most important person in the room. And I'm, I'm not even remotely kidding about that. So doing the, the you know what, thing. I'm, dude, I'm going to go ahead and draw. I did extra work for WWE. Um, June 2018 was my first time. I, I did it t uh, two, three times. June 2018 2019. And June 2018, I got a match right before SmackDown. And uh, it, w it went very well. And um, a few hours later, I'm walking in the back. And Ty Dillinger at the time, he, I walk around and he goes, outlandish. And I was like, I was like yeah, excuse me? And he's, all, he's like, you know what? He's like, that's the only thing. I remember from all of those matches today. What was there? Twelve matches, short matches. I was like, "Yeah." He's all, "You have a word and a hand gesture." He's all, "Dude." He's all, "That's half the battle." And then, and then he flickered the ten at me a few times. He's all, "Dude, keep it up," and walked away. It, it, so for you to bring that up, and that's like I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine. I'm in a uh, talk to a few dudes, um, try and motivate each other, and um, and I was trying to explain that to them, you know. And, and you're right; it's a, it's a hand logo and a word. Hey, and that's that's more than half the battle because that's like you said, it's something that people can latch onto and remember. Even the first time that you came out on the show, you must have said "outlandish" a hundred times in thirty seconds, but it stuck with me, and I immediately knew who you were the next time. I was a little excited, okay, <laughs> WARI, and I had to get it across. And I, I yeah, you know, Zicky, he yeah, yeah, he, he says that word. That should be a, a, a drinking game. How many times does Zicky say "outlandish" on the show? I, I love this, and I love what you're saying about things that, I guess, Ryan and I, if we're just nerding out on things, become second nature of making yourself stand out. And like you said, a, a word or not even a catchphrase, but something verbally that you could be identified with and, and a hand gesture. But 
it's it's not second nature to everyone because everyone doesn't do it. And on top of that, when you first showed up on the show, I, I had not seen you before, but it brought me back to when somebody new showed up on a show in the late 80s or the early 90s and whether or not I knew who they were or where they came from or whether they were star or not, I got the impression that, oh, this is just someone for some reason I didn't know about, but they already belong here. So hearing this story, you know, this this gets this gets me psyched. This gets me pumped up. And I'm I'm excited to see whatever and that's what I that's what I want my story to do at, at the end of the day is motivate others. You know, like I posted something online the other day and it said shout out to all the promoters who left me on red. Like you know who you are. Um, you motivated me to work harder. And I didn't mean that with any ill intent, honestly. I meant that to motivate others because it's because of being left on red and being told no at Ring of Honor and then having uh, uh, getting two standing ovations at WWE and uh, like to make me work harder. I was sick of being told no, you know? So I was like, okay, what can I do to, to be different, to stand out in a room where everyone looks the same? What's going to make me stand out? So, um, you know, I started taking these and rolling with them. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen with me at NWA. NWA. I didn't know if I was going to wrestle one match or there for a set of tapings or there for Circle Squared or or I had no idea. And next thing you know, I'm winning uh, won two matches on my debut. Boom, shots of the pay per view, and now in uh, in a series, you know, going for the championship. Yeah, uh, it, it's like I was ready to throw in the towel. October of last year, I was I was sick of it. Um, what you see now, I've I've really been doing for the last two years i mean not to this extent but <clears throat> character wise and you know flying myself across the country for opportunities or or uh, hopping in the car like I, I you name it i did it even when i didn't want to um and uh if i could you know the best advice i ever got was make yourself undeniable you know and mm -hmm. then pa paul Heyman told keita murray and i was watching him and keita came over and told me immediately he said, Paul Heyman said that a no is a yes waiting to be answered. And like, you know, I've done a lot of shit that I can hang my head about and maybe that I would be embarrassed about, like, with my character and, and do, sending out awkward messages and, and or bugging people. Like, that, that's not my nature. But I did it. I felt like I had to because I felt that I, I you know what, I am different from everyone else. And you know what, I am a superstar. So I, I'm really looking forward to the future. You know, I've uh, busted my ass. Well, it seems like your future is character-wise. You're aiming for the NWA TV title. There's pay-per-views. The company's growing. So we know, and like you said, you're trying to make the NWA succeed and flourish on your back. So I don't want to say, you know, what what are you looking forward to more? Is this a stepping stone? But what is... What is the limit for you? Is there a you limit know, for you? I love that the NWA is just starting. Okay. I love that I, I got the spot there and, and, you know, we're trying to build subscribers and followers and get more eyes on the show. And I know my hustle at the same time. So I am actually excited for week after week, just watching the show grow and contributing as much as I possibly can, um, uh, to make that happen because, who knows what, what happens next? Who knows? I could stay at NWA or I could move on or and go and go somewhere else. Like you, you never know. And 
and I'm ready to, uh, you know, put the blinker on and move on over to the fast lane and see see how hard we can push this baby. From my point of view, there is the 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 top of the heap as far as wrestling goes, and that's WWE. Like I said, this is just from from my point of view, <clears throat> and this is from a, a name recognition and a um, traveling brand, etc. And then it, it tends to be, in America at least, AEW is is number two. And they have national television. And I, I do – I wouldn't argue with somebody about that. But, like I said, this, this is my point of view. That number two spot isn't, isn't a lock. And there are, are a lot of good – I don't even want to say independent. There's just a lot of good wrestling in America. And NWA is, is – and this relaunch has just just begun, and I don't think it's out of the question for that number two spot to uh, oh, to, to, to be on the line at and, all. And you know, like like you said, there is some incredible talent there, and uh, at NWA, and easily working for you know, like I would say, top three promotions in the United States that I'm currently working for, and uh, I have to say. As much as I hate hate the asshole, uh, I'm glad to be head to head with Ricky Starks right now, and and being involved with him and, and some of these younger guys because a lot of these guys at NWA came from somewhere else and ha- had a chance to establish their name a little bit and themselves, and then you got like guys like me and Ricky where we can be the first NWA bred stars, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Ricky Ricky won't admit it to you, but at the end of the day. Zicky Dice is the one making Ricky famous right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to – we got this game, all right? It's, it's not really a game per se it's as much as it's a uh, subjective trivia situation. Rick and I are each going to ask you three questions, and then at the end of it, you're going to pick a Mount Rushmore, meaning a top four of a specific subject that we're going to give you. And then we're going to judge you as a person based on your answers. And then uh, – We'll decide if you win or not. Question number one. What animal would you least want to be eaten by and why? Hippopotamus. I hear they're actually very mean and kill a lot of people every year. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this the other day, though, hippopotamus, just because they're so cute, but they are, like, serious killers. Oh, you want to see something terrifying? Go on YouTube on the side. Go on YouTube on the side and type in hippopotamus watermelon. That thing is, is going to smash that watermelon like Black Gallagher. So, Zicky, in your eyes, what is the world's greatest movie and why? Oh, man, The Crow. Dude, because, A, Brandon Lee is fatally killed in the taping of the movie, which leads back to thinking that it's because Bruce Lee was illegally teaching secrets from uh, his methods. That, dude, The Crow. The Crow. I love that movie. Dude, Brandon Lee, R.I.P. And the soundtrack. No, the soundtrack's sick, dude. That's what I'm saying. His band in the the movie, too. You know, it can't rain all the time. All right. What is, I feel like, with you being engaged, this is going to be a layup, but what is the current background on your phone? Oh, uh, (laughs) my dog, Ric Flair, with um, the engagement ring rested on his nose while he's sitting. Oh, man, that rocks. What kind of dog is he? He is half yellow lab and half Australian shepherd. So that is a that is a big dog. 
Yeah, and the lady told me he was going to weigh like 60 pounds when I got him. He's 97. Oh, jeez. So what is the worst wrestling finishing hold from the 80s? Oh, man. When was the torture rack brought up? That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, Luger was doing that in the 80s. And Hercules, I think Hercules started that in the 80s as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I think so, right? That, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of cornball. Yeah, it, you do wonder how, like, I mean, I guess I get the theory of how it would hurt you, but it also just kind of, it looks like fun. Like, you know, put me in the torture rack, man. That sounds sick. Yeah, if you're up there, I don't, I don't want to hold anyone in a torture rack like that. All right. And uh, especially with us all being musicians in quotation marks, what is your favorite entrance theme song of all time? Dude, this is going to sound so corny, but mine. I'm not even kidding you. Uh, I actually uh, own the rights to my entrance theme, and what you saw on the pay-per-view is my actual entrance theme I've been using for the last uh, year and a half. Okay. Year? Yes. Um, this dude who is a synth and like rock god um, made it for me. His name is Darth Knight. He doesn't make music anymore. Um, or he does, but not he, he does like movies and other stuff. Uh, but yes, dude, I... It is the sickest jam. It, that or, uh, I don't know, even, dude, some of Triple H's older ones were sick. I had a homie who will remain unnamed call me once upon a time and said, hey, dude, I don't have any interest music. Do you mind if I come out to your song tonight? I said, yes, I actually do mind. That is <laughs> so like, sick. You know, like, why am I going like, to, like, like, you get my song over? Like, what the hell? What's your current go-to music or band to listen to? Oh man, uh, the new Spanish love songs just came out. I was just listening to that like nonstop. I've been hearing good things about that. I haven't uh, ever. Oh, it's so good. It's actually the first time uh, I just got introduced to this band. I actually have to check out their first record, I was told, but this record is incredible. Um, it's the first record for a while uh, that I've heard other than like Somos that I can like relate to. You know, I'm like, oh, this is, this is dope. What about like a Jim Jam? Oh, Jim Jams. I've been uh, a lot of heavy stuff. What did I listen to today at the gym? Unearth. Oh, 18 Visions at the gym the other day. That was dope. So throughout the answer of this question, my score has changed three times. <laughs> our final question each week, we asked our guest their Mount Rushmore. So essentially, you're giving us your top four, but also taking consideration that faces go on this giant statue that is uh, somewhere outside of New York. Oh, I need the Mount Rushmore of... Of Weird Al Yankovic songs. Oh, I love that. I love that. You actually did do it last week also, but this is way better than mine. Zicky, yeah. we need your top four Weird Al Yankovic songs of San Luis Obispo legend. Yeah, I think I can only name two. <laughs> There's no way. All right, all right. Um, he's fat. Okay, I'm fat, yeah. Amish Paradise. Yeah. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> my, my Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what was the Madonna one? Like a virgin, or like, like a, surgeon. a surgeon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So just to recap here, Zicky Dice's Mount Rushmore of Weird Al Yankovic songs is "I'm Fat," "Amish Paradise," "My Bologna," and the Madonna one. So <laughs> tell you your score real quick. Oh God. All right. So I I got a total of twenty four over here. So your score of 24 plus my score of 29 is a resounding 53, which means the new yeah. champion of Steiner Math is the outlandish 
Yeah. Nice. God, I want to start off by thanking uh, myself and, <laughs> Lee and um, Weird Al and Coolio for writing Gangster's Paradise. Yo, one time I saw Coolio open up for the Insane Clown Posse, and he did three songs, and two of them were Gangster's Paradise. That's so sick. And in case you missed that show, you could have caught him on all that every week. He was like the guest like for nine weeks in a row. Well, he did the Keenan and Kel theme song, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, save, dude, save some fame for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and remember less than jake also did a oh he did they did good burger the good burger theme uh, did they yeah i know you're a pop punk guy and i i say that with respect although hey you know what going full circle the new heart to heart album which comes out today heartbreaker is not really popular punk it is more uh more like just kind of rock songs so i was uh, i was pleasantly surprised by that i think that's cool well thank you Thank you. Yeah, give it a give it a whirl. Give it a listen. But were you ever into ska? You seem like you might have been. Um, when I was in seventh grade and listened to Christian music, yeah, OC Super <laughs> yeah, OC Superdome, <laughs> Bob, bunch of believers, <laughs> uh, Pax Two Seventeen, mm-hmm. Project Eighty Six. Oh, Project Eighty Six. To this day, Stein's theme might be. One of the hardest songs of all time. Well, Zicky, we appreciate you joining us. And, uh, you know, like like you said earlier, definitely give my man a follow on the World Wide Web. Zicky Dice on Instagram. You want to be front row for what this man is doing because it, it's it's moving fast. All right. You got to hop on now. You're going to want to get on the bandwagon now before yeah. it's, it's all up. Hold up. It's a Zicky Dice takeover. It's happening right now. All right, thanks again to Zicky Dice for stopping by and talking to us. Again, definitely check out that Heart to Heart extended play on Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud or Zune or wherever you listen to Rock and Roll, the Planet Fitness Station, the Crunch. You know, I think actually all those gyms have the same like music station that they pull from. You ever notice that whenever you go to a gym, it's the same stuff playing? Oh, ugh. try working at a gym. And hearing the same skillet song over and over again. I think you're confusing working at a gym with watching Monday Night Raw. But what we watched over the weekend was the new beginning in Osaka, live from Osaka, Japan, home of Asuka, the world tag team champion of wrestling. And it was a show for sure that had a lot of matches that on paper, if you will, or on a digital print, if you're going green, I was really excited about. Um, and a couple that actually did deliver, but it wasn't uh, didn't wear out its welcome. It's a it's about eight matches if you include the tag matches that opened the show. Did you actually get to see the entire show? Oh, I watched the whole show. All right, what did you think of it overall? Overall, I liked it. I think New Japan always delivers on these big shows. This isn't one of their bigger shows, but it's a it's a event show. I believe that these shows suffer from the length. When I saw that this show was a four and a half hour show, I was like, all right, that's a good length for New Japan. Then it hit me four and a half hours for a wrestling show is, in my opinion, is always too long. In one sitting, this is really, really hard to get through. Like every other New Japan show, I spread it out over the course of three days or so. And I'm able to invest more of my time and attention into it that way. But sometimes uh, the fifth match works perfectly as the fifth match where the first match of the day 
it doesn't translate the same. In my opinion, stuff like that is very important. I take a lot of, I put a lot of time and effort into sequencing when putting together an album, and I feel like uh, pay-per-view wrestling cards should be done the same way. So I think it suffered in that way. But aside from that, I thought it was another, at very least, solid show. But I thought, on the, it, I thought it was a good show. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed a lot of it. You know, it had some uh, marquee matches like Naito and Kenta. Uh, you know, that was building from Wrestle Kingdom. We had Moxley and Suzuki, which uh, I think was even on the event poster. Like they were kind of almost billing as the main event. And then, of course, uh, Takahashi versus Ryu Lee, who are having the return match from when Takahashi Hiromu, rather, um, got his injury. So definitely some uh, some high profile matches on here that had some uh, some good delivery. Kind of going backwards, uh, Naito versus Kenta was interesting for me because Kenta in this match kind of reminded me of The Fiend in the sense of that, uh, you know, um, I really love Kenta as a character in New Japan. I think he's a great heel. I think he does great promos. He's got great character work. And in the ring, it just didn't didn't work. And maybe because this match was kind of long, so it, it gave me more exposure to how it didn't work. And maybe it just doesn't work with Naito because he's definitely had matches in New Japan that I enjoyed. But it just didn't... Uh, it didn't match up with how much I like what he's been doing. I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't get that impression at all. I expected something really great for this match. And in my opinion, it delivered. I think both of these guys are just at the top of their game right now. And I thought this was just a great pay-per-view match on every level. I'm loving Kenta's heel work. Um, like I said, Kenta is someone I always knew about and never dove into. On the Japanese side, I, I was very uh, aware, and I, I saw everything he did in NXT as Hideo Itami, and it never really clicked with me. But, man, he's just next level being back in Japan. Um, maybe I'm a little skewed because I didn't know him prior. But uh, I think what he's what he's doing is great, and I love this match. I thought when he took the Daryl in the suit out of the... Out of the crowd. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just, just stomping on his face. And Daryl is new to me. I was uh, ignorant of Daryl for years. And I know now know that was the worst years of my life. And Daryl is um, tied for first place with Ramblin' Rabbit as far as best stuffed creature in the history of the world. Um, I, I thought a lot of this was was awesome. Dude, the finish of this match, not even just the finish, the, the entire final minute or two was so tense um and i mean that as far as building tension it was almost like a movie you know it was kind of like a the finish to a boxing match in a movie so i I thought this was great so naito finally getting his celebration that was cut short at wrestle kingdom and he's doing his shout outs and all and he brings out takahashi to the ring um first off takahashi comes down he has a thrash jacket on and, of course, like, ah, oh, it's just a jacket with graffiti and spikes on it. So it could be the same thing that uh, all those chicks on Instagram who don't listen to metal are wearing. But he has some obscure shit stuff on his jacket. He has the suicidal tendency stuff all over the back. And, you know, anybody could do that. But he has an Uncle Slam on the arm. He has an Excel logo and not the program, the band. So I, I don't know. I didn't put that together, but apparently Takahashi is a is a thrasher. 
So maybe we should send him an Extinction AD uh, MP3 to put on his Zune. But his back and forth with Naito talking about having a match and the whole time, I think this this is cool as hell, man. Building a match for the double champ versus the junior heavyweight champ or the, the junior weight champ and none of the belts are even on the line. It's just a match for the sake of competition and there's no turn. It's just two guys that are at the top of their game right now and respect each other. Want to have this this match? I'm super excited for that. I think that's going to kick ass. Yeah, it's it's actually really sick. And like you said, it's it's a more of a uh, a friendly rivalry, so to speak. So that's kind of the that's the anniversary show uh, tradition that the junior heavyweight champion goes up against the heavyweight champion. So in the past, they had Osprey and Okada, who are both in chaos, you know, and so they had their match, but they were still friends afterwards and friends leading up to it you know they weren't saying disrespectful stuff to each other naito and hiromu basically got like a you know big brother little brother relationship and i think that's only going to be intensified by the match because you no know, little, little roughhousing you know so uh yeah it's, it's borderline like a dream match that you wouldn't normally expect and like you said it doesn't come at the expense of breaking up the faction so i uh, i think that's really sick i'm into it i'm excited about it so let's just keep going backwards. We got Moxley versus Suzuki for the United States Championship. And you know what, man? I was so excited about this match. And this had to be, I'm not going to say the worst match on the show, but definitely the biggest disappointment on the show for me. They both, especially Suzuki, but Moxley also, kind of devolved into like parodies of themselves almost. You know, like it just, it seems a little, little goofier than it should have been, especially when he's like breaking the board or whatever over his own head and uh just it kind of bummed me out a little bit because i really thought that this match was going to be legendary and instead it was infamous you know what i'm I'm disagreeing with you again i thought i was going to hate this match so maybe we came into it from opposite ends of the spectrum mm. i could have swore the the build up to this i thought was super cool but then when it came down to it mm. Like I said, I've lost a lot of my luster for Moxley. Um, but then I see him in New Japan, and it comes back every time. And that's what happened again. I, I almost, I don't know, tell me what you think. I almost can't wrap my head around it because I guess in some ways, from an outsider point of view, I just view AEW Moxley and New Japan Moxley as as different different people. But I, when it comes down to it, I know they're not. He's doing the same stuff. He just... He just does promos in AEW where he doesn't do it in New Japan because that's not part of New Japan, exactly. But um, I don't know, man. I, Suzuki is just – he comes across like a legit insane person, and I think that just rocks more than, than anything. So I, I love this match. I thought it was great for what it was, and I don't even mean that to be in a negative connotation. No, it was good for what it was. I thought – you know, it, it was it was what – a bunkhouse match, a hardcore match, a, a no, no holds barred match, whatever the whatever the crap. I, I thought it was it was really good. I enjoyed it. The Zack Saber Jr. run in post match, I, I thought that was that was great. Now he jumps on Moxley's back and he's fully clothed. He's not in his wrestling gear, and it looks like a little kid on like your dad's back or your uncle's back, or your big brother's back. And normally I'd be like, Ugh, I'm so sick of seeing little wrestlers that look like little kids. But the thing is, I know everything Zack Sabre Jr. is capable of. And 
in that way when he comes across um, physically less than his opponent, it works towards him because he's not a little kid. He's just like an unreal slender man who wrestles like somebody who is unreal slender and smaller. So, so I think pointing that out that much more really works, and it, it makes me look forward to that match also. That's something I never thought I'd see. You know, a year that is something ago, I'm also excited about too. Is uh, is say I think Saber and Moxley will work together really well because Saber is kind of all business. You know, there's nothing like uh, deliberately <laughs> goofy about him versus uh, you know Moxley, who sometimes has goofy moments. Suzuki sometimes has kind of comedic moments. You know, Saber's pretty much always all business, and I think that that'll probably be a part of that program also. That you know he that he doesn't think that this is a joke, and I'm I'm excited to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I think it's going to bring out the best in Moxley. Broxley. Oh, bro- look at all this Broxley. So then we have Jay White versus Sonata, and man, this match should have been loser has to shave their beard because these guys are really just growing out that facial hair like crazy, huh? I don't think they should shave anything. <laughs> Yo, check this out. One time we're on tour, and of course, the drummer in the band I'm in at the time, the drummer is a complete weirdo. Nothing makes any sense. He's just a complete psychopath. So we stayed in this house that's all just just messed up. I don't know why we stayed there. Uh, One of the chicks that we were staying with, her name is Crystal. We were calling her Crystal Meth because her name was Crystal, and she obviously did Crystal Meth. We were somewhere in Alabama. Uh, one of the other bands that were on tour with us staying there also, they, they stole a gun from the house, and she's like, you guys can't leave. I'm not giving you the keys to your van, the other van, until you give us back the gun. And we're like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you stealing a gun from someone's house? This is just so stupid. Anyway, after all this nonsense, we're finally leaving. I'm so excited to get off the property. And the drummer is on the phone with his mom in the little van. We have two benches, but they're facing each other. So it, it's not even a real van. It's a conversion van. Right? It's super claustrophobic. And instead of having this small, like, uh, quiet conversation on the phone or waiting till we're at a rest stop or something, he's on his cell phone talking to his mom about two dogs that they're, that they're adopting. And he's screaming. And all we hear over and over again is, why don't you just shave them? Why don't you just shave them? Mom, why don't you just shave them? So I don't know, man. I just... I don't want to talk about shaving. Jay White is just so stellar. I think he gets better and better by by the day. At this point, dude, when I first started watching New Japan, I, I we talked about this last time we did New Japan show. I, I was not sold on Jay White at all. Now I couldn't possibly be sold on him more. I don't want him to leave New Japan because I think he he's a staple and he's super important to what I know of the company right now, but I want to see him everywhere because I want to see him work with everyone. And I don't, I don't know if this is true, but I have an inkling that he could work any style and he could fit in with any promotion. I think he's that good. I think Jay White should be the first shot fired, so to speak. If a new Japan AEW connection were to be made, I think he's the first guy that should be coming over to AEW to, and, and you know, obviously I, think AEW is unwatchable garbage but at the same time i don't want to see him nor do i think he is going to make a wwe appearance so if uh he's going to do something stateside might as well be with with the 
the elite. Oh, and also, you know, he's got that Bullet Club connection. That would get me to watch. Jeff Cobb joining the inner circle is not going to get me to watch. (laughs) It's going to get me to see. Normally what I do is I DVR the show and then I delete it because I decide I'm not going to watch it. I got to cancel that DVR recording. So we have uh, Chaos of Osprey and Okada, who are basically a legit tag team at this point, facing off against Suzuki Goon, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taichi, who are all also more or less a tag team uh, pretty consistently. And, man, I know that I talk a lot about how I don't like Will Ospreay, but he just couldn't be more phony-looking in this to me. And I don't even mean phony like fake fighting, you know, like... That the wrestling isn't real, but I mean, I would never think that this guy could beat anybody up in life, especially when he's trying to show how tough he is. It just is so corny to me. I, I would believe Zack Sabre Jr.'s little skinny body over Will Ospreay any day. And, uh, you know, they have their brawl into the audience is what I'm trying to get at that I just really, really disliked. It was something that I did not like. Now, that is something that I do not like. Well, it's funny you say that because this match, you loved it. This match is something that I do like. I love Osprey and Zack Saber Jr. doing anything together. So, give me more of that. I'm going to absorb it and like it. Um, it's interesting that you say you thought Osprey looks phony in this because I thought the a lot of this match it looked like Okada was working super soft, which. I don't think he's necessarily like a stiff guy in the ring, but it seemed unreasonably soft at times. Uh, but on the other hand, the finish of the match, Okada hits Tai Chi with the Rainmaker, and man, that is just the raddest finish in its simplicity and the execution. I love that somebody is just doing a short clothesline in 2020 as a finish, and it, it looks proper. And it looks legit. But, dude, Tai Chi is, a, is another one that I feel like he looks better and better every time I see him. So uh, this match left me wanting more of however any of these, you know, four guys could match up against each other in singles competition. So I, I like this match. But, I, you know, I, I like all these guys. I especially I, I do like Osprey where you do not like Osprey. But I don't, I don't care what you think. <laughs> yeah, I didn't dislike the match necessarily. I just didn't like his part of it. I didn't like 25% of it. You know, how do you feel about Okada working somewhere else? Not that he is, but could you see Okada working somewhere else and translating like he's done in New Japan? Could he translate? I think he could just because he looks like, I mean... You know, we were talking about even the Wrestle Kingdom, although I know that that's a little bit different with how those entrances are. You just immediately look at that guy and you know he's the man. You know, he's he's a stud. So could he translate? I think he could, but I, I don't think there's any reason for him to do that. I guess the reason that one could argue is that he's done everything there is to do in New Japan already. But at that point, you know, to be a, be more of a player-coach kind of guy, which we're about to talk about some coaches here in a second. But I uh, I don't think he couldn't translate but i don't think he should how old is he do you know how old he is he's in his 30s so he has modern wise he has he has plenty of time to make a move if he wanted even you know it's too bad that in modern wrestling there's not a thing usually where something like okada leaves new japan for a year and a year and a half and spends time exclusively at 
Ring of Honor or Impact or WWE or AEW, and then and then goes back. Yeah, that, uh, the, that's so much a thing that that's exactly what his career is. I feel like that doesn't that that doesn't really happen anymore. I feel like everybody's locked into these long contracts now. Uh, no, not in New Japan. I mean, that's that's part of you paying your dues to get on the show is you have to go do what they call an excursion. So Okada, for example, he was in New Japan. Uh, you know, he was in main events and things like that. Came to America, spent uh, a year or two at TNA Impact, came back, became the Rainmaker. Uh, Naito, he was uh, main event of Wrestle Kingdom uh, or semi-main event, then went off to excursion in Mexico, spent two years, came back and was the in Gobernable. So that's very much a uh, part of the fabric of New Japan to this day. Well, I love that, and I don't know about a lot of stuff, so now I know I'm going to, I knew about the Naito stuff. I did not know that Okada was in Impact at all. Yeah, and he got jobbed out in Impact and stuff, too. Oh, so. what? Why? That's crazy. Why did you do that? Do you remember <laughs> when Ibushi was in the Cruiserweight Classic? I do. Along with Zack Sabre Jr.? I, w- I was convinced that they were going to make it to the finals, those two guys, and uh, that did not happen. Instead, we got TJP, who I like. We got Show and Yo with Rocky, Romro, Day of the Dead's little brother. Oh, God, that's where you're going? <laughs> All of that. Yo, I love saying Rapongi 3000. I'll just, I'll just say it out loud by myself randomly, not even watching wrestling. Um, so... Rapongi 3000 and Rockland Romero face off against Suzuki Goons, Kanemaru, and El Desperado. And uh, the big story out of this is that Rocky and Taguchi are going to be reforming their Super Coaches tag team and face off against Shoenyo for the, the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. And that's very cool to me because that's a, that's a fresh matchup, which, man, Rapongi 3K... Facing off against uh, Kanemaru and El Desperado is the Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston 2011 of New Japan. It's just, there's a thousand of them. There's 3,000 of them, actually. And, you know, it's it's always good. It's always fine, but it's never anything that you haven't seen already. And so I'm excited to see uh, how that plays out. Well, I like that they added the knee injury to this. And I think that they worked that really, really well, telling that story and making show and yo look they have a bit more fire now than they have prior. You know, they win the titles and then they lose them on their first defense. And they finally got over that, that hump. But, you know, now their friend wants to uh, take away their metal clothing. Rocket launcher to a different team. Yeah. His Any, t-shirt gun. Anything with Taguchi makes me laugh because it's just that it's such a ridiculous everything. It's such a ridiculous presentation, but I love it. So finally, uh, on this show, we have the Abushi Taguchi versus Bullet Club match. I don't want to talk a lot about this because Chase Owens makes me sick, but I do have a question for you. And that is, what do you think is next for G.O.D. with them being the tag champions for so long, losing it for a cup of coffee against David Finlay and Juice Robinson? I assume the company finding out that they were calling themselves Finn Juice and immediately taking the titles back, putting it back on G.O.D. So what do you think is next for them? They, they kind of have reached a, 
I don't want to say a ceiling, but a a they're kind of treading water at this point. What can what can happen for them to to be fresh and exciting? You know what? I don't really know what what else they can do in this situation unless they both completely revamp their presentation, maybe even go singles. But uh, I, like you said, what else can they do here? I feel like it's another one of those things where some time away from New Japan not only will give the New Japan crowd the, the chance to miss them, but they go somewhere else and pick up this or pick up that and kind of add something more to their character and their presentation, their moveset and, and whatever somewhere else, work with some different people and then come back in a, a year or two years or three years. And they, they could be, they could be brand new. Um, maybe they just need to get out of bullet club. You know, maybe there could, there could be an entire different presentation if all of a sudden they're just, they're not heels. It's, it's hard to say. Because to a certain extent, you know, they're kind of pigeonholed into that Samoan tag team. Do you get that impression at all? I do. And I think that that was the one exciting thing about them losing the titles was that uh, they could kind of branch off and be individual characters. And maybe that would have been a a new thing for them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a new tag team coming in to challenge them or some dissension within the ranks. But I think that they need something. And when I say need something, I don't mean like desperately, because I think they're both awesome. I love Tamatanga a lot. And I think Tonga Loa is a, a great player also, but I just uh, I don't know uh, what they can do to to get new and interesting things happening in their their storylines. What I want to talk about now is probably the most talked about thing of this entire show. And if it's not the most talked about in the world, it is the most talked about between my two and a half friends that I have that watch professional wrestling. And that is Hiromu and Ryu Lee just chopping each other for like a straight five minutes. What did you think about this match and that moment? Which was several moments stretched across one, one might say hundreds of moments. So in my opinion, this was a pro wrestling match with a ton of high spots, which that sounds like a negative critique. A lot of people could say that. And that seems like, you don't like modern wrestling. Everything is a spot. You can complain about everything. But I think that it's perfect in that way, and it was done so well. So that's why I say it's a pro wrestling match with a ton of high spots and not a bunch of spots that just happened to be on TV on a wrestling show. So this was the proper modern wrestling technique or the modern wrestling technique used properly with all the, the high flying, all the, this, the stiffness, the slapping and chopping exchange where someone could argue, why are they going to stand there and just let each other hit each other? I understand you put that on paper and you're like, oh, that's stupid. That would never happen. It works properly here, probably because there's a backstory to it, but also with both of these guys' personalities and their ring presence. But if you want to talk about just the chopping exchange that went on for like three minutes, it was just crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but in the way that we love seeing people get chopped the shit out of when we're watching wrestling. It got harder and harder, and they're selling more and more every time. But they're not treating it like they're getting hit with cinder blocks, which I don't believe professional wrestlers 
if it's at the beginning of a match or chopping each other with overhand chops, you should not be selling it like you got hit with a cinder block if you're these guys' size. You're professional wrestlers. You're not just, you know, Joe Schmo walking down the street. So you should be able to absorb some punishment. So it's kind of taking something that is illogical, but you normally get over it because it's wrestling. But using that in a logical sense, that's my point of view on it. So I, I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was it was going to be over. They were doing the chops and then they went into some other stuff and then went back in to that chop fest. Uh, so overall, I, I loved every single thing about this match. It was just it was super intense. And it was something that if someone says, well, I like uh, older wrestling or I was better back then. I don't like that it's just a bunch of spots and a bunch of people flying around doing whatever the shit. Say, okay, now watch this match. This is modern wrestling, but it's presented in a, a more proper and exciting and meaningful way. That's what I got out of it. I thought it was super, super cool. Yeah, I, I love this match a lot. I love that even though maybe out of context or on its own rather, the chop exchange is a little um, excessive. I love that they got a moment that you can talk about, a, a jiffable moment, if you will, without it being some sort of, you know, things that they're capable of and even doing this match, a high spot and things like that. But it's just a basic wrestling. It's, it's like it's the same thing as if people are talking about somebody uh, exchanging headlocks for five minutes. You know what I mean? It's like the most basic wrestling move and they were able to get it over by just doing it continuously to each other and building drama and this whole match is building drama around that whole idea that takahashi could really just you know have his neck snap in half again and they do the most dangerous of moves the whole time to try to make you think like oh this might be a repeat you know and and the fact that that's deliberately done um is so smart and such a difficult way to manipulate emotions in this day and age where everybody knows everything because everybody knows that my man just was out an injury for months and months and they know that he really could get injured again. And so to just deliberately set up those spots where people are worried that that's going to be the case is, you know, obviously insane and dangerous, but also just uh, brilliant. You know, I can't, can't put that over enough. Can't give it enough praise. Who knows? Maybe his neck was hurting from all that thrash he was listening to just blasting yeah. uncle slam. Just banging his head. I really thought that Ruby Riot, when she came out the other night, had an Extinction AD patch on her pants for a couple seconds, but then I realized that uh, it wasn't. I'm gonna send everyone. It. I'm like the Oprah of, of of metal patches, apparently. Yeah, everybody gets a patch. We call that the secrets. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Stiff Shots, episode thirty-six. The and enter the chamber, would you? Uh, next week we're gonna be talking about NXT Takeover Portland where Poppy will be performing not one, but two songs. But until then, it's so important that you remember that Rockstar rules and made a watermelon way before Red Bull did. Bye. Uh, right. I would ju judge me on that one, asshole.